Before we continue on in prayer, there are a couple of matters of prayer that I'd like to bring before you this morning and talk with you about, and then we will spend a little bit more time before the Lord. Number one, I just want us to be praying as a community for the horrible flooding that has taken place in Texas over this last week. It's been tragic. I have, didn't realize this until yesterday, but this is the worst rainfall disaster this, in, in U.S. history. Over 52 inches of rain have fallen in parts of Texas, and thousands of people are homeless this morning. So we stand with our friends in Texas, and we pray for them this morning. We also, I also want to spend some time praying for those of you today who are in difficult relationships. You know, last week I talked, with, talked in the series about how we're to run toward people who disagree with us or people, and be peacemakers rather than running away when conflict arises. And I used the example of a, of a white supremacist and his father in Charlottesville. By the way, l- let me just say, and let me just, I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. We as the body of Christ have to take a stand against racism and hate in all of its forms. I believe that with all of my heart. And we need to stand with our brothers and sisters who continue to deal with this in our nation and in our world. But beyond that, in the message, I was speaking about how there are times when there are people we just we can't even stand to be around because of the way they are. And we, and we, talk, we talked about how even in those situations, we have to press into people rather than running away and building walls. And a question was asked, well, Dave, what does it look like to, to, to do that when I have someone in my family who has an addict or who was very, very hurtful? And a few weeks ago, in a, or a few months ago, in a prior series called Crossing the Line, we talked about building healthy boundaries to protect ourselves from people who are unhealthy. But there's a difference between a boundary and a wall. A boundary protects ourselves from hurtful people, but there's still love there. A wall rejects and condemns and says, you have no place in my life. And we, as followers of Jesus, we are commanded to love even those who seem unlovable, even those who seem vile, and filled with hate. And so this morning, I want us to pray for about some of those really difficult relationships that some of us perhaps have, where that becomes challenging. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, come, we continue to, in an attitude of prayer this morning to come before you with some of the pressing needs of our community and our world today. God, we do stand as the body of Christ, as the body of grace against any and every form of racism and hate that just continues to perpetuate itself in our culture today. Lord, it breaks your heart and it, and it breaks ours. God, would you use us as salt and light in this community and wherever we come in contact with that to help the love of God be shown, to, to, to shine through us and to pierce that darkness. Lord, this morning we pray for those of us who are here and we're, who are struggling with difficult relationships, those people that... We are commanded to love, but Lord, it's really hard to like. It's really hard to deal with. God, I pray that with each one of those situations that you will help us to balance truth and grace, that you will help us to see the difference between healthy boundaries and unhealthy walls. And God, that we would be able to draw those well, that even in the midst of of things that we don't like, Lord, that we can shine Jesus to everyone we come in contact with. Lord, may the body of Christ not be seen any longer as judgmental of others, but instead sacrificial in their love. Lord, we know that that will only come by the power of the Holy Spirit working within us. And we ask for that today. Lord, we ask for your power and your presence also in um, 
Texas today. Lord, there is so much devastation there right now. It just boggles my mind. Lord, we pray for those who are homeless, those who have lost loved ones in these last few days. God, we pray that you would bring comfort and peace, that you would use the body of Christ to take us to, to help out in any ways that we can. And Lord, we not only come before you with our prayers, but Lord, today we will take an offering a little bit later to be able to go toward those victims uh, through Covenant World Relief. God, we ask that all those funds that we're able to gather, Lord, that they would make an impact in the lives of a few of those who are struggling so much this morning. God, we pray for those who are out, who are enjoying their Labor Day weekend, camping or wherever they might be. God, we ask that you would give them a sense of your presence today. And Lord, we ask that you would be with us as we are here today and we've carved out this time to give you our very, very best, to worship you, to give you praise and adoration and to, to understand, Lord, how today we might take one step closer to you. God, I pray that you would use my feeble words and that you would fill them with your power, the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, that the, the truth of your word, of God's word, Lord, that it would come through clearly to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're new or if you've, this is the first time you've been here in a while, we are in the midst of a series called uh, Seasons of Change. By the way, I, I was mentioning this in my prayer, but um, if you would like to give toward uh, Hurricane Harvey support, uh, there's a wooden box in the back of the room. Feel free to put any love gift that you want to in there. You can mark it for Hurricane Harvey if you want. And we are collecting an offering through Covenant World Relief that will go this week toward some of the victims in Texas where they are actually on the ground helping uh, even as we speak. Um, but as we're going through this series, Seasons of Change, let me just say I've really appreciated your feedback. I know God's really speaking to some of you through this series. Last weekend, um, as part of our services, we commissioned two people, two families, and we sent them out because they are going to serve in an African refugee church plant here near, next to the University of Arizona. And we love these two couples, and we're going to miss them. Um, but one of you sent me a note this, uh, just a few days ago that just really touched me that I wanted to share with you. It said, Dave, I don't like change, especially when it means friends like the Morins and Gibsons are leaving. And I don't like seeing aging or disease diminish vibrant people. But then he said, change is built into the very laws of the universe and built into our bodies. So it'll be good to think about how God wants us to live in a world that is constantly changing. And you know what? He's right. We, we serve a God who doesn't change. But God created a world that never stops changing. Today we're going to talk about how seasons of change sometimes take a little bit longer than we want them to. And we're going to see what God has to say to us through that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been in one of those situations where it's like you just felt sure that God was getting ready to bring you through a season of change and you were ready for it, you were wanting it, and you prayed about it, and you waited, and you waited, and you waited, and it's like, okay, God. Your turn, right? Isn't it time now for you to take a step, for you to do something here? But you pray and you wait and you wait and it just seems like nothing happens. That God doesn't do anything. 
And it could be about anything. It may be that you know, it may be about that that right job. You know, you're, you've been stuck in a job that maybe feels like a dead end job to you, and you're just waiting for God to provide that opportunity for you that you just know he that just makes sense that he would want to provide. Or maybe it's that promotion that they would finally come at work, and you've gotten all the education and training and classes, and you've jumped through all the hoops, but still hasn't happened. Or maybe for, for you it's that waiting for a life's partner and you've waited for years for that person to come into your life and it's like, God, come on, it's, isn't it time? Or for healing for in your body or in the life of someone that you love. Maybe it's for you to this deeply meaningful promise or life's dream that you were just convinced that God wanted to give you. And you've talked about it with God, you've prayed about it and you've waited and you've waited and it's like, all right, God, come on. When is this going to happen in my life? What do you do or what can we do when it feels like God is taking a ridiculously long time to fulfill his end of the bargain? Well, it's good to know at least when we think about this that we're in good company. Take a look at this. Have you ever been in a hurry when God wasn't? All throughout the Bible, we see God telling people to wait. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for a child. Jacob waited and worked for Rachel to be his wife for seven years, and then worked for her for an additional seven more. Joseph waited 13 years for the fulfillment of his God-given dream that he would one day be a ruler. The children of Israel waited 40 years before entering into the Promised Land. David waited over 10 years from the time he was anointed to become king until he was actually crowned king. Noah waited 120 years from the time God told him to build the ark until the time of the flood actually occurred. So why does God make us wait on the dream he has placed inside of us? Here's the answer. What God does in us while we wait is more important than what we are waiting for. You know, over the last couple of weeks in this series, we've talked about what do you do when God's wanting to bring change in your life and you're not ready for it, right? And we've talked about how to prepare our hearts for seasons of change that God is bringing. But today we're going to be looking at the flip of that. We're going to be looking at those situations where we believe that God wants to bring change in our lives and we want it and we're needing it and God seems to be dragging his feet and he doesn't seem to be fulfilling his end of the deal. And what we're going to be seeing today is that God's timing oftentimes It isn't like ours, is it? Sometimes it's not even close. These moments that we'll be talking about today call for inordinate amounts of patience in our lives. And true patience seems to be harder and harder to come by these days. In the name of convenience, we are getting used to having all kinds of things as quickly as we want them, right? I mean, take, for example, DVRs. You know, my wife and I used to have a DVR. And you, what's the purpose of a DVR? It's basically so you can fast forward the, through the commercials because you don't want to watch them, right? They take too much time. And then, on-demand movies, there was a time when Netflix would mail you the DVDs you wanted and you only had to wait a couple of days before they come in the mail. Don't need that anymore, right? Now we just on-demand just get them exactly when we want them because waiting in the, for them to come in the mail was just taking way too long. Grocery stores, it was this big innovation years ago when they created express lanes, right? 15 items or less, you don't have to wait for all these people with their 5,000 grocery items. You can just cut through and get straight out the door. 
well, now that's not fast enough anymore. And now we have these spots where you can check your own groceries out just in case the people with 15 groceries ahead of us was just taking too long, right? So now we can just get out the door. Or we can go to Amazon these days and we don't even have to go in the grocery store anymore. We can just order them and they'll, some of this stuff is same day delivery now, right to our houses. I heard recently that Amazon, you don't believe this, Amazon is actually now planning over several major cities, blimps to be raised up, filled with drones that will be hovering so that you can get your book or your box of Kleenex even faster than you would have before. Airlines are now at a premium. They're giving you the opportunity to board or deboard planes before everyone else, just because they know some of us really don't like to wait. And Disneyland, you know, I used to think the fast passes were the, were the coolest thing. You know, you could skip the line. You could go straight to the front of the line. All you had to do is wait in a little line to get a fast pass. Well, now fast passes are a thing of the past because you can get max passes. Have you heard of this? You, when you buy your ticket, you can, at a premium, you can add a little bit more onto your ticket. And now you don't even have to wait in line for the fast pass. You can just get it right off of your cell phone. Remember dial-up internet? Probably not. Our high-speed internet these days, guys, has made us so impatient. There was, there was a University of Massachusetts study just a four year, done four years ago. And what they did is they put screens in front of people with a YouTube video, and they intentionally delayed the video being able to start to see how people would react. You know what the average, you know how long our patient span is for YouTube videos these days before they start? Two seconds. Two seconds. After five seconds, a fourth of the people stood up and walked away. They couldn't wait any longer. And half of them after 10 seconds. And that was four years ago. Now they're finding our patient spans are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Our world of instant gratification is eroding our ability to be patient or even focus and pay attention. Today, the number of people with ADD has soared with children and adults. Fewer people are patient enough to even read a book these days. Three-fourths of us typically will put down a phone when we're put on hold because we don't want to wait for them, or we'll put it on speaker. And 84% of us have admitted to walking or running on moving escalators. And you're one of them, right? I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. I'm not even going to say anything. We yell at our electronic devices when they slow down or they freeze up. We yell at people in cars when they're just going, they're not going the speed limit or they're taking more than three seconds to get through the dang stop sign. And over half of Americans have admitted to running a red light at least one time when no one else was looking because the light was taking way too long. This is the kind of world we're living in today, a world that we have created for ourselves. And this is the kind of people we're becoming Take a look at this. Yeah. 
I saw that one YouTube surfing. I thought, you know what, that's just too perfect. I've got to show that this morning. That is what we are coming to, I think, as a society. We are impatient people. And it shows up in our approach to God when he takes too long to bring the changes that we are waiting for. But you know, I think it's comforting to know that this isn't just true of our culture today. People have struggled with patience since the beginning of time. Today we're going to look at the story of a life of a guy named Abraham. And we're going to see that 4,000 years ago he got impatient with God, which is a bit of a relief, right? In fact, he and his wife got so impatient, you're going to be shocked at the decision that they made. The passage we're going to be looking at today. And what we're going to see today is what you saw in that video just a few moments ago. I think this is so important for us to grasp today. What God does in us while we wait is oftentimes more important than what we're waiting for. I'm going to say that again. What God does in us, you and I, while we're waiting, so oftentimes is more important than actually what we're waiting for. Look at this story. In Genesis chapter 15 this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Genesis is the very first book of the Bible. Just a few pages in, you'll find chapter 15. Or again, you can go to the web browser, my, your web browser to mygrace.church and follow along with the scriptures there. I'm going to start by reading just verse 1 here of this passage. It says here, Sometime later the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Don't be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Pretty cool, right? God reveals himself to Abraham and he speaks a pretty amazing promise into his life. But Abraham's not buying it, right? And look at verse 2. Abraham immediately responds back. This is what he says. He says, Oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all of my wealth. He was a little sacrilegious, doesn't it? As I was reading that, I thought, man, he's got some guts. I mean, if God showed up in front of me, I, don't think, I, I, don't, I think I'd be eating the dirt. I wouldn't be talking back at God. But that's what Abraham does here. And we, we kind of wonder, well, why was he so frustrated? But when you look at the backstory, what you see here is that Abraham's been waiting a really long time for this promise of God, for this child to actually come. He's waiting for years. I mean, let's, God had promised Abram and Sarai this child so many years ago and Let's just say they're, they're, they've been getting their free senior coffee from Chick-fil-A for quite some time now. And I can't blame them that they were frustrated. I mean, they're losing hope, I'm sure. God's taking so long. God reassures Abraham in this little rant that he hasn't forgotten him. Look at the promises that, that God gives Abraham, in verse, uh, starting in verse 4. It says, Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the number of stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And it says, Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. It looks like Abram's turned a corner here, right? Not exactly. Skip down to the top of chapter 16. Soon later it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. 
And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled into the land of Canaan. Now remember the last time Abram and Sarai tried to do things on their own, apart from God? Back in Egypt, they decided to lie to Pharaoh. Do you remember how well that one went? That was in week one of our series, if you missed it. Well, now they're doing it again. Maybe if you were hearing this second part of the story in chapter 16, you were thinking, what? I mean, I know when I first read this, I'm like, she did what? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine something like that happening today? Really? I mean, forget in vitro. We want a baby, right? Actually, four, I, I went back and studied this. 4,000 years ago, this, this behavior that we're seeing here with Abram and Sarah and Hagar was normal. There was a Babylonian law, set of Babylonian laws called the Code of Hammurabi. Maybe some of you remember that from world history class. And in that code, it talks about this very thing, that if, if your wife can't bring a child, that it's totally normal and okay and legal to do what Abram and Sarai did. And so keep in mind also, Abram is now in his 80s, so he's been waiting a little while. Sarah and Abram, maybe they were just thinking, you know, it's time we just, we just be proactive here. That we put feet to our faith. Or at least, I think that's what they were telling themselves as they got tired of waiting and they decided once again to take things into their own hands. But come on, aren't we all guilty of the same thing? Maybe not doing what Abram and Sarah did. But how many times have we done things and we convinced ourselves that it was okay and really if we were honest with ourselves, it was just that we were just sick and tired of waiting on God. And we decide to move ourselves. So they once again, Abram and Sarah, they try to help God out here. They try to move things along. And they create this big, hot mess for themselves. I mean, the maid gets pregnant. She starts treating Sarai differently. At that point, Sarah gets upset with the maid. She gets upset with Abram. Family feuds going on. Husband and wife aren't happy. Big mess. I won't get into this whole story, but it's right here. I would encourage you, maybe read that this week and see how this story turns out. There's also some, some questions you can use to think of in your online sermon notes that you can use to think about this passage uh, this coming week. But the question I think we want to ask God in this whole situation is why? Right? I mean, what was God thinking waiting that long with Abram and Sarah? <laughs> God waits until Sarah is 89 years old to make her pregnant. 89. I'm not making this up. You can read it in chapter 18 if you want to check. Well, there's a reason, Scripture says, why God waited so long. The Bible says that God wanted to wait till they were as good as dead. Those are God's words, not mine. So that God alone would receive the glory. So they'd remember that God's delays aren't always God's denials. I believe that's a word of promise. A word of hope for some of you today. Who have been waiting and waiting. And you thought, God, I've waited long enough. This thing that you've promised, this thing that I know is right, this thing that should happen, God, it's not. And we want to blame God, right? We want to say, what's the deal? 
God teaches both of them through about 70 years of waiting that what God does in us while we wait oftentimes is more important than what we're waiting for. There are times when we face seasons of change, when God promises to navigate us through it, and that includes us acting on our faith. That includes us not being passive but being proactive, that we take the step. There are times when God is, I know in my life, he's just saying, Quit waiting, just make a move, make a decision, do something. Put feet to your faith. Trust me in this. But that isn't always the case. And sometimes we mess up, please hear me, sometimes we mess up God's best, God's good plan for our lives because we are so dang impatient. In those moments, faith isn't moving forward. Faith is being willing to wait. Not days or weeks, but sometimes months or years or decades like Abram and Sarah. So how do we know? How do we know when God's saying, come on, it's your turn, make a step. And when it's us saying to God, okay, God, you're the one that needs to make the move. How do we know whether we're to be proactive or to just wait on God? Now, I wish, and I've thought about this a lot over the last couple of weeks, I wish I could give you an easy answer to that question. I wish I could put three easy points up on the screen and say, if you just do these three things, that will be the answer. But if I could do that, that would really be taking faith out of the equation, wouldn't it? Sometimes the waiting is more important than the answer. Life lessons come sometimes, I know we don't want to hear this, from waiting. But when it comes to this question of how do I know if I'm supposed to wait on God or if God is waiting on me, I just want to share with you there are four questions that I have asked myself a lot of times in those moments to be able to determine an answer to that question, to be able to answer that with confidence before God. And I want to share those with you this morning. And they're in your sermon notes. You don't need to write them down, but maybe they'll be helpful for you at some point down the road when you're trying to figure out, God, are you wanting me to take the next step or are you wanting me to wait? The first thing that I will often ask myself, and this is the easiest question, it seems like a no-duh question, but sometimes God catches me here. It's this, in what way, is there a way in this that I'm, that I'm disobeying God's word? Is there something that I'm considering here in this decision by moving forward that's against what scripture says? I mean, for instance, if I've got to lie or knock down or hurt others in the process to get where I'm going... Obviously, that's not God's plan, right? And the truth is, guys, the more you read the Bible, the more you read Scripture, the more you discern the will of God for your life. The Bible says that faith comes from spending time in God's Word. So I'll ask myself the obvious question, is it, God, is there anything in what I'm wanting to do here if I take a step that's being disobedient to you? The second question that I'll ask myself, and this one's, this one's harder, is am I more concerned for God to be glorified in this change or for me to get what I want? Am I more concerned about what God wants? Am I more concerned about God being glorified in my life through this change? Or am I really, if I'm being honest with myself, I'm really just concerned more with what I want? Do I really care about what God wants? Or am I just like Abram and Sarah saying, you know what? Dang it, I have waited. I've wanted this long. I've, God, I've waited long enough. I'm just doing it. I'm tired of waiting on you. 
You see, Sarah wasn't concerned for God's glory. She was more concerned with what she wanted. She wanted a kid. Same with Abram. In Psalm 34 and in other Psalms like Psalm 29 and Psalm 115, it tells us that we are to honor and to glorify God, that we're to put that first. That comes first in seasons of change in our lives. The third question I'll ask myself, which is kind of similar to this last one, is this. Am I indifferent and willing to wait? Am I indifferent and willing to wait? In other words, am I content now waiting however long it takes to get God's best? Or if I'm honest with myself, am I trying to help God out? Am I trying to help God along? Look deeply into your heart and be honest with yourself. Are there any feelings of impatience motivating you in this season of waiting? Or do you more have feelings of indifference? One of the things that um, our our leadership team, our elder board, has been reading lately, which has meant a lot to me, is this one particular book called Discerning God's Will Together. And in the last few weeks, we've been reading about this thing in the book called The Prayer of Indifference. And it's it's really interesting. It's a, it's a Christian tradition, and it goes back to the early Quakers, if not before. And it involves praying to ask God to make us indifferent to anything other than His will regarding what we're trying to discern. Sometimes it takes us a while to pray a prayer of indifference, to ask God to release our own wants and desires and needs, and to truly, in our heart of hearts, to be able to say, God, not my will, but yours be done. But it's in those moments when we are truly able to come to a place of indifference, when all we care about is God's being glorified, that we can truly hear the voice of God sometimes. With the change that you're waiting for, are you willing to pray this, to pray a prayer of indifference? The last question I'll ask myself is this. Do I have a strong sense of peace about moving forward? Do I have a strong sense of peace about moving forward? Or do I sense that I might be disappointing God in any way? I shared this with you guys earlier. When I'm personally unsure, when I'm trying to discern if God's wanting me to take a next step, I typically will wait rather than moving forward until I have a sense of confidence in knowing what God's asked me to do. I will pray that God will make it clear enough that I will feel like I'm sinning if I don't move forward. And in those moments... I have a sense of confidence, and I know that when things get difficult, I am following God, and I'm not looking back. You know, it's easy to be impatient. The world around us feeds that into our lives. But what God does in us while we wait so oftentimes is more important than what we're waiting for. I hope that your relationship with God will deepen. It will get rooted like a tree, becoming strong and stable as you learn to wait on God in seasons of change. Now, there's going to come some point in your life when you're going to jump ahead of God. I've done it. Probably you've already done it at some time. It happens. But I just want you to know in those moments when you step ahead of God, like Abram and Sarai did, that God in his sovereignty never wastes our experiences. Even our acts of disobedience. As long as we don't continue in our rebellion toward God, God can use even our failures. (laughs) I'm a great example of this. God can even use our failures to help shape us and to deepen our faith. 
help us to trust in him. What's most important, guys, what's most important about our faith isn't where we're going or how quickly we get there, but what we're becoming along the way. So may you seek to be as patient with God and his timing as God is patient with you. May you learn how to desire to be indifferent, knowing that God's will, done God's way, never lacks God's answer or his supply. Would you pray with me? Lord, this morning I know that this message is is touching hearts. Today, I bet there are many of us here in this room who are in the midst of a season of change. And that change has been difficult. Lord, I just want to lift up to you those in this room and those who are listening online who are struggling with change, in particular that change that they have been waiting for. And Lord, they're waiting on you and they're not seeing an answer. God, I pray that you would bring an overwhelming sense of peace into those situations and calm. Lord, I pray that you would help us to to peel back the onion and to see inside of us really what's going on. Is there impatience there? Is there a desire that you would be glorified more than anything else? Is there indifference or is there a desire to have things my way? God, I pray for each one of us that you would take our wills and break them before you. That you would take that stubbornness that sometimes rises up within us, that determination to do things our way, in our timing. God, help us to see you and your glorification as the most important thing. God, help us to be okay with seasons of change, even when they mean seasons of waiting. Even when the change doesn't come in a day or two, but it takes a decade or two. God, I pray that you would just shower us as a community right now with your presence. That we would sense in the midst of these struggles that we're facing what you're saying to us. God, we want more than anything else as a community here to be a community that hears you and follows you regardless of how challenging it is, regardless of how much faith it takes, regardless of how much it stretches us, God, we want what you want. Lord, may you unite us. May you bring unity to every decision we ever make as a community as we seek to pray a prayer of indifference and seek your will above our own. Lord, may you be glorified here in Northwest Tucson. May you use us, may you use this place, Grace Community Church, as a place of hope and healing and restoration for those who walk through these doors. Lord, today we surrender to you. We surrender it all. And if you're here today and you've never surrendered your heart and your life to him, I want to encourage you this morning. Don't leave here today without surrendering your heart to Christ, without trusting Him, without taking that one little step of faith toward God 
even though you don't have all your answers figured out around God and religion, trust in Him. And perhaps if you're in that place this morning and you are in a place where you can take that step of faith, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me in the silence of your heart this morning. Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I thank you for bringing me to this place, this place of grace, this place of hope. And God, I ask that you would come into my life right now as I surrender everything I have and everything I am to you. God, I ask that you would just saturate me in this moment, that you would fill me with your presence as I confess that you are my God, you are my creator, you are my Savior and my Lord. And I yield everything to you. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins and that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and begin to change me, God. God, I know that you are more than capable of that very thing.